This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number nine. Last week, we discussed using mindfulness as a tool to create intentional living, how to consciously make choices that are in alignment with our values, our mission, and our goals. We explored how to measure productivity as a way that we do only what matters to us, focusing on the task that makes the biggest difference in our lives instead of the busy all the time and full to-do list that most of us live by. By doing less, we're creating the time to live more fully connected to our dreams, to our family, to our community, and spending our core resources such as time and energy on things that matter the most for us. This week, I would like to explore this thought further and discuss what doing less really could mean for your productivity. So I get asked all the time, how does doing less really lead to more productivity? Because shouldn't we be doing more? Shouldn't we be accomplishing more, checking off more things on our to-do list, etc.? So if we really want to ramp up our productivity and connecting to our joy in the moment, both personally, professionally, wherever we may be, then how do we explore this concept of doing less? And it can be hard, especially now during the pandemic where we're balancing how to manage children being home, parenting, connecting with our friends, and really growing as an individual, as well as growing within our careers. And when we let go of this feeling busy and getting things done on our to-do list, then what do we really have? And how do we embrace that space of transition? So if you feel like you've been busy, 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 but you aren't getting the results that you want. And instead you feel drained of energy and exhausted all the time, feeling like you can't remember the last time you really took a little bit of free time for yourself. Then it's time for you to do this reset because being busy is not what is going to ultimately make you productive. Being busy could actually be your limiting factor in being productive. So this is what I'd like you to do. Write down a list of all the things that keep you busy. Okay, it could be groceries, getting dinner ready, finishing the project at work, whatever it is, write down everything that is in your brain right now, do a brain dump. And when you are done, I want you to look and categorize the items that are on your list. So most people will find that 
There are some general categories. So there could be home, family, work, self-care, fitness, nutrition, etc. And then there are going to be some miscellaneous. So you could use a highlighter, you could use a colored pen, just categorize them and figure out how many categories do you have that are on your active tab in your brain right now. Imagine this. These are all the things that are percolating in your brain that as you relax and try to go to sleep or you're meditating or you're trying to create a mindful moment. These are the things that keep bouncing from side to side in your brain. But now that you've dumped it out onto a piece of paper, your brain can relax. It doesn't need to hold this burden any further. Now, what I'd like you to do is look at the categories and let's pick one category. So for instance, I'm going to pick home. Write down all the tasks that have been on your to-do list or in your brain that you have put connected to home on one side of the paper. And on the other side, I want you to write some of the things that have been going really well, the wins in your life, if you will. Think about the times that you have felt connected to joy and write down all of the things that you feel connected to joy and home. And look at really what are the tasks that contributed to those moments of joy. So for instance, meal prep and planning If that's something that you've really been enjoying and you've been creating these fun meals, then definitely highlight that. If you see home spring decluttering and you've felt really joyful in in being able to donate and to declutter the home, then write that down. So as you start to highlight the moments that brought you joy and connect them to the tasks that you have on your to-do list, you'll recognize that these are the tasks to focus on. Now, there may be tasks that perhaps didn't bring you joy while doing it, but the outcome brought you joy. So I think most people would identify that cleaning the house is probably not something that brings some joy while doing it, but most of us enjoy the feeling of having a clean home. So that might be something that goes on the list. But essentially, we want to identify the tasks that we do that are connected to the successes in our lives, the moments that bring us joy. And then what you really do is just look at your calendar and see, is there something that you can remove? Is there something that you can delegate? Perhaps this is something that one of the kids can take over. Perhaps it doesn't even need to be done. Perhaps it's something that could just be removed from your to-do list. So explore very carefully what you can either remove, delegate, substitute, etc. on that list of to-dos that you had created before. Now the next thing to do is to consider, is there anything within the categories that really is not bringing joy for you? Is there anything within the miscellaneous category, for instance? I found that, yeah, there were things that I was doing that used to bring me joy, but that doesn't quite do that right now. Or as I have grown and as you know, I've been through some personal changes, I realized that even though I love A, B, and C, I just don't have the time to do all of that. So how do I decide which is the category that will bring me the most joy? Which is the category that will bring me the most fulfillment and I'm going to 
only do that. And B and C are going to be, again, either postponed, delegated, or just canceled completely. Just because we love something doesn't mean that we need to be doing it. Everything that we love doesn't need to go on our to-do list. Because guess what? When you have 20 things on your to-do list, it is really hard to find joy in the moment when you have so many things to do. But what if instead you did three things and you really enjoyed it for what it is, and then the remaining 17 can go on a future list that you can explore. Now we'll be talking a little bit more about this and what it means to create a life to-do list, if you will, and explore how do we get things done in a way that is kind, compassionate, and fun for us to follow through. So I hope you'll tune in for the future episodes. I'm really going to be exploring this philosophy of getting things done with fun and compassion, because I think that there's a lot of value in creating this space in our life that allows us to be productive and yet relaxed, that allows us to get things done and yet have fun and really connect to our joy in the moment. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, Dr. Jesse Mahoney. Dr. Mahoney is a board-certified pediatrician, a certified life and relationship coach, and a yoga and mindfulness instructor. She practiced pediatrics and was a physician wellness leader at Kaiser Permanente for over 17 years. She's the founder of Pause and Presence Coaching, where she supports women using mindfulness tools and mindset coaching. Hi, Jesse. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here, and I can't wait to hear some of the pearls of wisdom that I know you're going to share. I've been a huge fan of your work, especially I know that you work with some of the fellows at Stanford as well, and really sharing the tools of both mindfulness and coaching, which I know is huge. So I would love to hear a little bit about your journey and how you have balanced being a pediatrician, being a mom, and your wellness journey. Yeah. So it's a long journey. How's that? Life is long and the journey Mm -hmm. is long. And I got into physician wellness super early in my career, actually my, as a chief resident. And then as even my first year of attending, I was always the one that spoke up and thought that things needed to change and the culture of medicine needed to change. And that Mm -hmm. we showed so much compassion for our patients and yet we didn't show the same compassion for ourselves and the same compassion for our colleagues. And as you mentioned, life is not always pretty and life gets in the way and it's really hard to be perfect and not just perfect, but not be human and not have human issues and things that come up. And so I had a baby actually in medical school and a baby in residency and a baby afterwards. And that sort of focused my attention also, I think more on the physician wellness issue and the things that we needed to have in medicine to acknowledge people's humanity and their needs and to make it work for both the people receiving care and the people giving care, knowing that's better care for everybody. So I got into physician wellness early on and throughout my career, that was the leadership track that I was on and spent a lot of my administrative time working on that as well as being a pediatrician. And then more recently, I've actually shifted into coaching full-time just in the last year. And that came about, I discovered coaching about four or five years ago when I struggled with some burnout. And I know that's how you ended up doing this podcast as well. (laughs) And I had gotten to a point where I had done, as I like to say, all the things I had done all these leadership roles and opened a new clinic and done a lot of 
what I call operational leadership, running clinics and building programs. And I had also been working on physician wellness for 15 years, but I found myself wondering what was next and what else was there and exhausted from the process. And so I hired my own coach to start. And what I discovered is that I learned so much that was amazing. And it really helped me get through a tough time in my home life as well. And these tools are what I found that just were magical for physicians and the way that physician brains worked. So I immediately signed up to do my own coach training because I wanted to understand it better. And I had a vision of incorporating it into my work as a pediatrician and into my work in physician wellness. And I just fell in love with it and found that it was actually really like my true passion. And so as much as I could incorporate it into my work with patients and into some of my other duties, I really just wanted to do more of it. The other Mm -hmm. thing is at the exact same time I got into mindfulness. And so for me, they dovetail, they sort of overlap and together they were the tools that worked synergistically Mm -hmm. to help me solve the stuck spot that I found myself in. And so I also became a yoga teacher, not because you have to get certified in everything, but I like to learn and I like to grow. And so I ended up learning how to do all of those things and wanting to share and bring all of that to my colleagues in other places. And so that's how I ended up here. And I was pivoting course right when COVID came. And so that was a time when everyone needed this support and needed more guidance and help. And given my background and years in this area, it just became a natural path for me to head in that direction. So that's how I ended up here where I am today. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. There's so many things uh, that you said that, you know, really resonated with me. So the thought of having compassion for ourselves, right? Because it always seemed there's so many layers of expectations for us as physicians and clinicians. There's expectation that we're going to do everything that our patients need. But then beyond that, there's still there's things that we need to do because insurance companies requires that things we need to do because our administration requires that and things we need to do from all of these different committees and, and such. And you think at what point did it become okay to expect one person to do all of these layers without really any support. And so that's fascinating for me that we expect someone to work sometimes 60, 80, 100 hours. And somehow they're still like, oh, you just didn't do this enough or that enough. And it's easy to even internalize that culture of expectations, perfectionism, and then feeling blame, shame, and guilt when we're not able to do something that is honestly not humanly possible. It's not sustainable long-term. Just really having compassion for ourselves and, and just acknowledging that we're humans. We have human emotions. We have human exhaustion. We have human desires and, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I think that's such a huge thing for all of us to just acknowledge for ourselves. And I love that you had a baby at the different stages of your career. Actually, so did I had a baby at the end of medical school during my residency and then at one practice. So it's interesting. And I've had, I work with medical students before and I've had people ask me, oh, what's easier? I'm like, none of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> they are all, there's no perfect time really, especially in medicine and being a woman in medicine to have a child or to manage all that, but it's important and it's our family and we adjust and make time and, you know, prioritize it, but that's definitely a different conversation altogether. And I think also just acknowledging how coaching, it helped me as well in just understanding burnout from a place of non-judgment, from a place of self-compassion and saying that, okay, yes, it makes sense that I'm tired because I haven't slept normally for 20 years. And just really understanding ourselves and really, I, I think everyone that I've talked to that have really connected to that magic of coaching, because people always ask like, why do you need a coach? Athletes have coaches. And when I try to explain it, really the best way that I can think of is just a coach is someone who, who believes in you when you're struggling, who, who reflects for you, your journey and your story. So you can just be your best self and someone who will go the journey with you. And that's been my experience. And once I, you know, once I saw the magic of coaching within myself and in my own, you know, home life, like how I connected to the kids and my husband and just everything, it, it made sense that this would be the next way for, for me to even help others and say, okay, you're struggling with burnout. You're struggling with finding your voice this is a tool just in you know, there are so many tools mindfulness yoga all of these are tools that you can use to help get unstuck from where you are and and go to the next level as we explore these tools and i know you've mentioned quite a few tools yoga mindfulness mindset change all of those what is something that you've found in learning how to use the tools both for yourself and for those that you work with how are you helping others use these tools to create the change that they want to see in their lives. One thing I wanted to reflect on is the idea of athletes using it. And I have three athletic boys and they actually believe in coaching and believe mm -hmm. in mindfulness and believe in yoga. And so you don't have to be stuck or burnt out to use it and to up level. And so I like to think of it also as like a performance tool. Even if you're doing fine, it can make things so much better and so much more easeful for you. And sometimes we think we can only use these tools as a way to get ourselves out of a mess. And we can also use it just to make our lives better. And in the physician mindset, I think we also tend to not pay attention to ourselves or think that's an important thing to do. And so I just want to call out that <laughs> can be just something that you want to do, because as you mentioned, you want to show up better for your family and show up mm -hmm. better for yourself. And you want to learn to enjoy your life. As I see coaching, it helps you see the things that you can't see yourself. It's like a mirror into your mind. And the smart brain actually can get itself into a lot more trouble than maybe it's not an unsmart brain, but the smart brain can get you into trouble and because it can really, it's always trying to figure things out. And sometimes the things that it figures out or it decides are helpful in medical school and residency and for you in trauma surgery residency, but it doesn't necessarily serve you well in the rest of your life and it's not sustainable. And so what I found coaching really helpful for was noticing these old patterns that I had that weren't helpful. And I like to call them sometimes troublemaker thoughts, like the thoughts that get that get you into trouble as a pediatrician that resonates mm -hmm. with me, right? The, these are the troublemaker thoughts and there they come or 
habits, old habits of creating drama or assuming that you've done something wrong or self-doubt, questioning yourself. I'm a great decision second guesser. And just realizing how much energy all of those things can cost you. Coaching is someone who helps you see things that you can't see yourself. And it's maybe not even that you can't see it, but it's just hard to peel it away. It's not as clear. And so they help you see things more clearly. And they're your biggest cheerleader. And we are mm-hmm. our own biggest cheerleaders most of the time. And so having someone there who can just see what, help you see what's working and help you see what's not working so that you can then move forward from a place of intention can be a really powerful tool. Absolutely. And you mentioned about mind drama. Some of it is that, so everything has gotten more and more every year. Forget about the whole pandemic, even before the pandemic, I felt like our lives, our mind, our energy, it was all cluttered, right? With all the things that required our attention and our energy. And sometimes it's even hard to say, okay, so I have 10 things that requires my energy and attention. How do we prioritize? When we have three things that require our time and energy, okay, you do this, you do that. Maybe there's a little bit of multitasking, but you get it done and you move on and things are over. But I felt like over time, what has happened is that there's so much more that is there to distract us from what is going on that it's gotten to the point where it's a world of distraction and the concept of I have no time to do XYZ, even though it's really important, I just have no time for that. I have no, I I really want to spend time with, you know, my kids or I want to balance my, my energy at work and, and still be present at home and all of these things that we all want to do in our life. It's really hard because there's just so much more that pulls at our mind. So I'd love to talk a little bit about mindfulness and how do we create that internal culture of minimalism, if you will, really just how do we clear our brain? How do we create clarity and really declutter our life so we can live more mindfully? I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And I think my thought there is mindfulness is the answer to that, that there is all of this clutter and drama and noise. And so it's even more important that we pause and be intentional about how we wanna show up for it. And I always go back to the breath, which comes in part from my yoga teaching and in part from the mindfulness, but your breath is always there and you can just focus on that. So it's like, what are you gonna focus your attention on with intention and, and simplifying things? So I heard you say it's hard and there's so many things. And one of the things that I often go to in coaching is what if it's simple? If it were simple, what would you do? And that gets you like clears out all the clutter, right? If it's simple, you can get more to the heart of what's important and why you do it. And what's the internal why as your guidepost or your light post. And I think that really helps with this idea of just clarity and where you want to go. But if you don't pause and you don't take the time to notice and you're just go going and you're not allowing yourself that space you can't see what's important. You can't see what's most important and you can't figure out how to move forward with intention. You're always reacting rather than responding. And so it's creating the space however you can, whether it's deep breaths, whether it's a pause, like a 30 second pause, whether it's yoga and even coaching is a version of a pause. It's an hour with someone to help you sit in and organize your thoughts and organize with intention how you want to show up. And then 
the other thing you were mentioning is getting rid of all the clutter. So if you can acknowledge that a lot of this stuff is unnecessary churn and perhaps even unnecessary stuff in your space, whether it's unnecessary screen time or unnecessary clutter in your house that you're looking at or unnecessary clutter is in terms of activities. COVID, I think, has really helped us see in terms of what we do, like what was necessary and what was not necessary and what brings value and what doesn't bring value. And taking the time to really sit with your internal clock and your internal being and does this serve me or does this not serve me can be a really powerful opportunity. Yes, that is, that's really so true. And I, I love the concept of pause and being intentional and we all have access to our breath. It doesn't, it, it doesn't take anything extra. We don't need any special tools, really just taking a couple of deep breaths and creating that space between the stimulus and our action. Like Victor Frankl talks about really just taking that moment to step into that and say, okay, how do I want to respond to what's going on? And that's kept me out of trouble a few times. So I try to connect to that moment for sure. But also, I love what you said about if it was simple, what would you do? Because our brain is constantly trying to shower us this with, oh, it's so confusing. And I don't know what to do. And I really don't know the answer. And sometimes when I'm really struggling with what to do next and something, I, I, I think that too, I, I truly don't know what to do. If I knew what to do, I would do it. But when we take that pressure away and say, yeah, maybe I don't know the next 10 steps, but what if I didn't know just the next step? What if all I needed to know was, do I go right or left? In a way, I'm a huge believer in that we do create, we get to create what we want to see in our life, but there's also a, a journey that we're meant to go through. And sometimes hard things come up and we think I've made a mistake. I'm a failure. This is awful. And all of this mind drama comes up and it's all because I made this one mistake and now everything is collapsing around me. And I've experienced some pivot points in my own life that I think, how did I even get here? How is this possible? But when I've stepped back and usually it's with reflection back to that time, I realized how, even though it was one of the hardest times or it was really traumatic or it was challenging, but it was probably the best thing that changed something in my life. So even when I do see things as, oh, it's a huge mistake and I'm never going to recover this part or whatever it is, this, this mind drama that my mind tries to tell me, I think, what if this is really exactly how it's supposed to be? And how can this serve me? How can this work for me? What can I do and show up as myself and just live in this moment, whether this moment is anger or frustration or whatever it is, like that's fine. But how can I I really just embrace where I am right now instead of trying to reach, create and change my reality in some way. So it fits what I think it should be instead of just saying, this is what it is. How do I live in this moment and connect to it? I, I love that thought um, of just thinking, how can this moment serve me, even if it is something that's negative? Or how did it happen for you? Mm hmm why is it the best thing that happened? I love the tool of asking yourself good questions rather than not good questions. So it's like, how is this simple as a good question? Or mm -hmm. how is this a helpful part of my journey? Or what did I learn from it? And again, how did it happen for me rather than to me? I, I love that a lot of relationship coaching. And it's like, how am I the perfect 
partner for this person? Or how are they the perfect partner for me? Or how is my child the perfect child for me? Even if maybe they have ADD or massive temper tantrums or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be, and, or total opposite personality from you, they're there to teach you something. And it isn't Pollyanna. It's you might as well think about it as what is good about this Mm-hmm. because it serves you and it makes your journey better. Otherwise you're expending all this unnecessary energy resisting what is actually there. So it's not, oh, just think of the glass half full. It's let me use this as a tool to ease my journey and to, to think of this concept of buoyancy and helping mm-hmm. you float and ride the waves <laughs> and whatever storms may be mm-hmm. coming your way. And I do this decluttering, whether it's like emotional decluttering, like you can declutter so much in your life if you're intentional about it. And mm-hmm. when you're not intentional, everything just stacks up. And so it's this thought about your life is a reflection of your mind. And so sometimes we get, we're so busy and our lives are so busy and we're not taking that pause. And so when you take the pause and you allow yourself to just be, all of a sudden things do, it's like the snow globe settles. Mm-hmm. That's what mindfulness helps me with. But it can be even more than just sitting on your mat or on your cushion or even taking a few breaths because it can be creating this whole life that's much more calm and peaceful that feels good to be in. So true. And I would love to talk a little bit more about how do we declutter our mind? I think we've definitely talked and heard a lot about physical decluttering and embracing minimalism for the physical things. But I don't know that we really spend as much of thought on emotional decluttering. And it's actually something that I'm actively working on myself because I've got a lot of my drama and things that I think about. And I think, okay, how is this serving me? And how do I move forward? But I'd love to hear some of your tools and how do we process emotional decluttering? I think to declutter, you have to notice and be aware of what's there. So if you don't see it, you can't change it. So that would be the first thing is to see what's there and be willing to change it and notice what is and what isn't serving you. Because oftentimes we don't even know we're just reacting. We're not even Mm -hmm. sure what's there. And then some intention, one strategy that I've had clients come up with, which is like, I just don't do drama anymore. It's like this, just, I've had enough doing drama or I've had enough of beating myself up or I've had enough of shame and guilt. Like guilt Mm -hmm. is a habit. It's just an old habit. It's like smoking, but I can give it up. Mm -hmm. And so it's these simple phrases and simple thoughts that I think once you realize how much perhaps energy and time that none of us have, you're spending on things like drama and shame and guilt and angst and resisting reality, you can just decide, I don't actually have time for that anymore. And then when your priorities are clear too, it makes the filter that much easier. Is this clutter or is this helpful? Mm -hmm. If it's just doesn't align with your priorities, you just move on. Mm-hmm. And it seems, oh, I can't do that. That's where I think the conscious work and sitting down with who you are, figuring out what your priorities are, figuring out what you want versus what you should want is another mm-hmm. one. So the should wants are just clutter and the wants are really where the meat is. Do you want to spend time with your family? All of those things. Of course you do, right? So that's your priority. And, and it might be, our wants are very different. It's not like they're selfish. In fact, often our wants are to make the world a better place and to provide great care and to be present for our patients and to make 
mm-hmm. you know, change in the world that's meaningful. And so just tapping into what is your want versus your should wants. And then it becomes much less cluttery. The other thing is like, I need to do something or I should do something. And if it's a want or a choose, that's all of a sudden so much more clean and less clutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were talking about really just being building awareness and being connected, one of the tools that I have found hugely helpful in building that awareness is journaling. I I used to journal a long time ago and then somehow I was too busy and realized that even if I might only journal like a sentence or a couple of words or a feeling for that day, but whatever it is, what I found is just how powerful it is in understanding my mind, especially journaling after a meditation session, it's when we're most connected to our mind and our inner truths. And I found some things coming out and wow, I realized I was thinking that. And it really just helped me just see, okay, this is why today's been hard. Sometimes we just have this unease or a feeling of discomfort and we don't know what it is, but this is a great way to connect. And so that actually has been really helpful in helping me declutter my mind, if you will, really connect to that. I've been doing a lot of the physical decluttering too. We're getting ready to move. And our goal is to downsize by 50 to 75% now with three kids and a cat and all that stuff. I don't know how it's going to be. Part of it is just really understanding that there's so many things that are around us that we really just taking care of. And it's, it's not, it's truly bringing joy and is it possible that joy could be from somewhere else too? So really just trying to explore that. So I found this question, is it bringing joy for me, even for thoughts, even for like things that I, I believe are, oh, things that I should do. I have this list of shoulds as well. And I think, is this truly bringing joy for me? I used to call it uh, the Marie Kondo mind technique. So it's not just for things. You can say, does this spark joy for me? And apply that to so many parts of your life and say, okay, I'm doing this. I like it, but is this truly sparking joy? Also recognizing that there's 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week. I have 20 things that spark joy in me. I'm not going to be able to do all of it. Being even more selective in how we spend our time. Time and energy really are, are two of our most precious resources. And so part of the decluttering is really just to create that white space or that free time so that we have the opportunity to connect to the joy in the moment instead of feeling, oh, I'll be happy when I finish all of this stuff. I'll be happy when I finish my laundry and everything's done. I can relax at the end of the day. And how many times do we really relax at the end of the day? Because we work till we're exhausted and then we get to bed and there's no empty space and we need empty space. We need that white space on the calendar rules my life. So that's how I think of us free time is white space on my calendar. But really I try to schedule that because that's the only time that we get to enjoy that process of decluttering, I think. So those are a couple of things that, that have really helped. And I, I love what you said about giving you know up the habit of shame, blame, and guilt. I'm a huge Brené Brown fan. She helped me understand so much of what I was struggling with when I was going through burnout and having so much of that perfectionism and shame and guilt. And one of the things that has always resonated, something that she said is we're all looking for love and belonging. We want to build that with our family and our friends, our community, but the place we find that first is ourselves. If we cannot give ourselves self-compassion and self-love and self-care, all of those things, 
it is so hard to build that with anyone else. If we don't believe that we are worthy of love and belonging and we don't boost that for ourselves, it's hard to accept that from someone else. I really connect so much to just saying, yeah, it's fine. I'm okay with B plus work today. It's still good. Everything got done. Everyone's doing well. And we're not going to always live in that moment of drama for sure. I think another really useful question for me that declutters everything gets back to this idea of love and asking yourself. So I asked myself what love would do. What love would do is usually not drama and angst and shame and guilt and blame, but the first person in the love question is you, right? What would love do for you? And that usually gets you acting in a place that also brings goodness to the world. And what would love do for everyone else and the world at large? And that, I like to use that as a guiding question, but it's also, it's funny because you wouldn't think of it as a declutter question, but it is Mm -hmm. because it gets rid of all of the other stuff that's just noise and focuses you on how you want to show up in the world. And for me, I like to show up with love and because that's good for the human spirit in the world. What a beautiful question. I love that. I, I definitely will keep that. I'm a post-it gal. So I'm going to put that on a post-it and put it up because that is so true. And when we are struggling with that question, right? Sometimes we have to make decisions. It's easy when you're making a decision between something you love and something you don't, but then you have all these things that require, again, your time or um, your energy, your mind. And what would love do, especially for you? What a beautiful question. Thank you for sharing that. And when you're stuck or in a difficult spot is actually when it's the best question mm-hmm. or when there's two really hard choices, like it can guide you mm-hmm. to it really dig deep into what's really, truly authentic and where you want to go with it. Mm-hmm. So true. Absolutely. Just wanted to know a little bit also, are there other tools too that you've used to create time for yourself? And what are some things that you do with those times? How do you create that time where you're really nurturing yourself? It's noticing it and realizing that you need that time and then choosing what you do with it. For me, it's actually choosing something different often on different days. So some days Mm -hmm. it's yoga, some days it's a walk, some days it's nature, some days it's spending time with others. Mm -hmm. And some days it's doing things for other people. It doesn't actually have to be about just about you. And it's not necessarily that it's taking the time to pause and notice so that you can show up intentionally and knowing what's the best way for you to do that. That makes me think too, that some days like are not good days. You have your down days or your difficult Mm -hmm. days. And some days it's just allowing that. And that's Mm -hmm. what the white space is for where we miss out on life is moving through it and not noticing. And so it doesn't all have to be a beautiful day. You don't have to make Mm -hmm. it all rainbows and daisies and unicorns or whatever we say. (laughs) It's allowing yourself to experience all of it, the ups and the downs. And that is the beauty of it and the mindfulness of it. So Mm -hmm. slowing down to actually see it and actually experiencing it. Yeah, that's so true. One of the things that I struggled with a lot, especially after I found coaching and really started to spend time reflecting and thinking about where I am is I thought, okay, I'm really connected to my own thoughts now. So I should be happy all the time. And when I'm not, or when I had a negative emotion, I felt, wow, I'm just not a good student. I can't figure this out. What's going on? And it took a while for me to really just embrace the 50-50 existence of being human, that there are going to be days that I just have low energy, or I feel upset or angry or whatever it is. And when I stopped fighting it, 
feeling, oh, I needed to somehow create a change to make that go away. And when I said, I'm just upset, I need a timeout. I just need to go and be by myself and indulge and then take a deep breath and move on. We don't always live in that space. But when I stopped fighting it, actually, it, it passed so much quicker just saying, yeah, this kind of sucked. And I was upset. Okay, now I'm over it and moving on instead of I got to somehow change it. And then usually that meant I ruminated over it or, or indulged in it a lot more. So just really accepting that it is not always going to be rainbows and unicorns and, and daisies, although my daughter tries to tell me that that's how it should be by rights. So it's not. And that's been another powerful tool too, just for the kids to see that because we've been spending a lot of time together with the pandemic and everything, everyone's home. But just to see that, you know what, this is what it is. When you are an adult, it's not always great, but we balance the good with the bad. We try to make good choices and we show up authentically. Even if you are angry, you don't just get to say or do whatever you want. You still want to pause and think about how you want to show up. And these are all great tools to really learn And as an individual. And I would never have learned that if I hadn't started to just embrace that and that it's okay. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with my mind if I am feeling upset one day. So I think that's definitely a, a huge change in perspective and shift. Yeah. And I also wanted to ask you talking about the, the pandemic and mindset shifts and such, what have you learned in the last year that maybe you were surprised, not surprised. Now, how has it been the last year? I think each of us have had our own journeys, but there's been so much that has happened and you think, okay, what does this mean? Really recreating our own thoughts a little bit. I think for me, it's the good and bad, that everything is good and bad. And even this is good and bad. And so we, it allows you to see things more clearly when you slow down and that's powerful and positive. But there's good parts and bad parts of everything that happens. Mm -hmm. So allowing all of that, accepting and allowing whatever it might be and accepting and allowing everybody's different response and reaction to things can be super, it can just be a super enlightening experience as I think about how oh, my 15 year old responds one way, my husband responds <laughs> one way, I respond the other. And what mm -hmm. can we all learn from it? That's so true. And also probably the fact that even though we all have our own experiences, but there is also a shared human experience that we can connect on. I think one of the things that I've heard a lot from others is just how much more time they're spending with their loved ones because we are home more and you're doing all that. So that's been definitely a big change as well. And in good ways and sometimes challenging because you're always home with each other. There's really not a break. I was talking to- so good and bad. <laughs> Yes, for sure. So I was actually talking to my uh, almost 16 year old about this. And he said, you know, I hope it, this never happens. I said, why not? I thought you've been enjoying some of our times together. And he said, yeah, it's been good and all. But if this happens to me again, it just means I have no life right now. I have no life. So as much as I am enjoying some of these moments with you, I, I think it would be good to have some of my own moments. And in a way, like you get to appreciate that and just realize, okay, yeah, that is important. And this teaches kids also that the other is important and time with family. We wanted more time together. Now we want more time apart. It's you often want what you don't have. Mm -hmm. And so just appreciating where you are in the moment and what is happening, whatever it might be, 
because really what other choice? (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully now that the vaccines are out and we're hoping for an easier time as the year moves on. But I think, yeah, child, adult, teenager, we've all definitely learned a lot about ourselves and how we connect to other humans. So yeah, you're right. It comes with the good and the bad. I think some people really feel like it's all bad. And I'm like, it's just is right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's taught us that everything just is. Mm -hmm. And so maybe riding with the waves a little bit more Mm -hmm. can be a, a more easeful approach. And we were talking about cluttered, less cluttered approach to life because it just like you get rid of the extra angst and, and drama and enjoy the ride. Yeah. And one of the other thing too, is I realized there's so much outside of my control. I mean, I thought that I had control over so many more things than it really was. And especially last year when it all started and you realize, wow, we really have no control over so much. This invisible virus, right? Has changed the way we even think about going to the grocery store. It's humbling in a way. And I I love that philosophy of just going with the wave and just understanding, okay, yeah, it's great to plan and do things, but sometimes you just have to go with the flow because you can't control so many things. And by getting upset about it or trying to change something that just is, it's not really changeable. We're wasting a lot of our own time and energy. So yeah, that was definitely a good uh, reflection. You reflected on one of my favorite tools, actually, which I haven't mentioned, which is focusing on what's in your control and (laughs) seeing what's not in your control and letting go of what's not in your control and Mm -hmm. seeing what you're trying to control that you can't control because that's all the wasted energy and clutter. And if you can like identify those three buckets, things get a lot more simple. Yeah. Oh, so true. Actually, I love that. I don't know that I've separated it quite into those buckets before. So tell me one more time. What's in my control? What's not in my control? Mm -hmm. And what is not in my control that I'm trying to control? Mm. Yeah, that third bucket. The wasted energy bucket or the clear bucket. Yeah, that's exactly what it should be called. Because it is a lot of our mind clutter is there. And, you know, we keep spinning our wheels trying to think, oh, we're going to change that. Yes, that's going to happen. But it really, it it is the clutter bucket. So I love it. I'm going to definitely never called it the clutter bucket. (laughs) New name. Yeah, I love it. And what about if you were to go back in time, and you could give yourself a piece of advice to your younger self, what would that be? I think I would believe in myself more. I spent a lot of time doing what I thought I should do or what I was supposed to do and worrying more about what other people thought and thinking, did I know what really felt genuine underneath questioning that and wondering what's the right thing. And so believing in myself and I've come to this other thought this year about not doing what the world needs, but what makes you come alive because what Mm -hmm. the world needs is people who come alive. Mm -hmm. And so really digging into your own passion, Mm -hmm. focusing on that, realizing that you can bring so much more from that space. And that's where the magic happens and the excitement and that it's not even about you in that moment. It's really about bringing change and beauty and um, Mm -hmm. technicolor to the world when people (laughs) show up in that way. And it gets once again, back to the sort of wants versus should wants. And when you're coming from this very authentic 
place, mm-hmm. that's where the magic happens. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is so true. And actually, when you were saying it, I, I was just thinking when you said Technicolor, it's the, the sprinkle of glitter and sparkle in the world. There is really a lot of joy and magic in it. And how amazing would it be if we all just showed up in our own magic? It gives permission for ourselves to just show up authentically and do that. And I think that is really what the world needs. And when we live in that space, that that is truly pure magic. So thank you so much for sharing that. I would love to know if there are any programs or projects that you're doing that you want to share about. If people wanted to know more about you and, and get more information, how would they do that? So I work with people as a coach, both one-on-one, and I run a group program called Mindful Love around relationships and getting rid of all that emotional clutter and drama in your relationships so you can connect better. So you can find me actually on my website, which is jessiemahoneymd.com. And Jesse is with an IE. It's also called Pause and Presence. And that's my passion, as I mentioned, taking advantage of the pause and being present to experience it. And that's really what coaching has helped me do in my own life and helped me help other people do for their lives. So you can find me there and you can also find me in a place called the Mindful Healthcare Collective, which is a group set up to help heal the healers. And in that space, I teach a lot of yoga, Mm -hmm. which is open to anyone in healthcare who wants to join. And I teach almost every weekend and I love just having people join. You can get the links for the classes on my website also. So that's the easiest way to do it. And the link to join that collective if you're interested. And I do some free coaching there so people can experience what it's like and tackle some of these issues about control and angst and clutter buckets and all of those (laughs) fun things. So you can find me in all of those spaces. And I would love to hear from any of you. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, I'm in the Mindful Healthcare Collective and I love the space. One of the things that I've struggled with uh, before and, and I've heard from others too is when I first started using mindfulness as a tool to help me connect to myself to the moment, et cetera, it's time. We think, oh, I need an hour to do this. And if not, it's just not the same. And I've loved exploring how mindfulness can really just be while you're making your tea and drinking. It's just any everyday life moment can be infused with mindfulness. And so I've really enjoyed exploring that in your group as well. So thank you for all the resources. And I'll be sure to include all of that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more, including your websites. I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us today and all the wisdom that you've shared. It's been so fun to chat with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.